Hi everyone, this is Cameron Potts, VP of Corporate Communications at Deluxe, and we're here for another episode of Solutions Exchange by Deluxe. The financial crisis was certainly a challenge to manage through, but but nothing compared with this, where the entire kind of world is shut down, where from a business standpoint, uh, um, companies like, like Lazy Boy and others not only have stores, all their stores closed, but, uh, but their plants as well. Hello, everybody. This is Cam Potts, VP of Corporate Communications for Deluxe, and we're doing another one of our podcasts. Um, talking about uh, small businesses and sharing details about um, how to help uh, your business during the pandemic, which, uh, as we all know, is still ongoing and never seems to end. Um, so today we're really uh, excited to have with us um, a, a business leader and um, all around great guy who happens to be my cousin. Um, so Douglas Collier is with us today. He's the senior, former senior VP and chief commercial officer and president international of Lazy Boy. Um, Doug is a global leader with deep experience and expertise from Europe to Asia. He's managed and built many businesses around the world. Um, and now as he's in his um, second phase of, uh, or third or fourth phase, you can tell us of, of his career. Um, He's a startup investor and advisor to more than 15 companies from Chicago to London to Silicon Valley um, in areas from consumer technology, software, healthcare, and many others. Um, so, Doug, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing uh, our podcast with us today. My pleasure to be on, Cam. So, Doug, let's just talk for uh, a couple of minutes. Um, you know, you have had a, you know, a great career um, working with a lot of, you know, large companies people would know about like Lazy Boy uh, and a number of others. Um, have you, you know, you got, you know, you, you are in a, a new phase now, uh, you've retired, you're working on with uh, small businesses and some startups. Um, obviously you kind of got out at the right time with what's going on, but have, you've been through a lot of different things. Have, have you ever been through or seen business have to cope with something like this before? Uh, the the very short answer is no. Um, the, the 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 longer answer is that uh, the financial crisis was certainly a challenge to manage through, but but nothing compared with this. At the time, it seemed very dramatic and uh, and difficult. Uh, seeing our sales at at that time go from about ten percent up uh, year to date in in August of two thousand eight to down by twenty five percent by October November and and the resulting reaction to that and the adjustment to our business and, um, and, and did what we needed to do to, to, to make sure we, uh, we survived and, and moved on and, uh, and, and kind of did well coming out of the crisis. With that said, though, as hard as it was, you're only dealing with customers reducing spend and, and certainly people having a lot of difficulty at that time. It, it wasn't anything like what we're seeing now where the entire Kind of world is shut down where from a business standpoint uh um, companies like like lazy boy and others not only have stores all their stores closed but uh but their plants as well um and it just it's it's a level of 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 complexity and, and difficulty and then layered on top of that of course is all the that the working challenges of, of working remotely and, and and managing just such a, a crazily different 
climb. So yeah, I've been through some some tough things, but nothing that compares to this. And and you mentioned my timing was good. I, I left last June and uh, have have had conversations uh, with with colleagues at Lazy Boy, and they're 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 quite uh, um, mad at me and my impeccable timing at, at leaving. <laughs> Well, and uh, you know, your your impeccable timing aside, I, I would think for any large business, and we're going through this at Deluxe, is you know you're trying to always plan for the future. And you know, back in 08 and 09, there were a lot of unknowns, but but we'd been through you know downturns in the economy and recessions and and things like that. Maybe not to that degree, but this is a time where it's it's almost impossible to know what's coming next. Um, or, or how long this will last. And as, as a, you know, uh, a business executive, you must be thinking in your own head, like how, how do companies look to the future to, to be prepared? It, it's, it's tremendously difficult. And I think you've got to shorten your planning horizons uh, considerably uh, where people might've before been thinking in terms of three to five year strategic plans. Um, though that's still, important and still relevant kind of the the amount of focus that has to be placed on kind of monthly and and uh, sometimes weekly planning uh, is is at a level that I've never seen it before um, and you've got to uh, in, in my mind really um, kind of dig into what are the what are the most important um, drivers of your business how they're changing as a result of this both now but potentially into the future uh, and how can you how can you not only navigate the waters you're in, but but start to steer towards some some more favorable uh, places for for your business? A gr- great example is um, uh, a couple of the businesses I'm involved with from a board standpoint um, sell product uh, for home office, and uh, that obviously is a pretty relevant category right now. And and one of the one of the opportunities they have is is to really understand uh, from a consumer insight standpoint what is changing in how people work at home. Obviously, they're doing a lot more of it, but they're also doing it in a way that they they've never done before. So there there are things that the consumers themselves are learning about what they like, what they don't like, that you could potentially leverage into pretty significant innovation and advantage if you. Uh, if you kind of pay attention and really dig into that now, that will serve you well for what I think is going to be a changed kind of mode of operating uh, for for years to to come. Yeah, it's the companies that are able to pivot right now that uh, will be will be in in the best shape. So let let's talk a little bit about um, you know you as you mentioned you retired last June. Um, you had some very specific things you want. You've got a passion for startups and small businesses um what were you looking to do as as you you know left lazy boy and and you know we're looking at this next phase yes yeah, so i i over the last um i'd say three to five years i had my my wife Rhonda and myself had had a lot of conversations about kind of what we want to do and and, and how we want to live and um, I, I had come to the conclusion, uh, which was very different from earlier in my career, that that I didn't want to stay in the corporate world kind of directly in a full-time way for my, my entire kind of working life. Um, and with, with that as a backdrop, uh, Lazy Boy had started to get involved with, uh, with a few startups, uh, one of which was in Detroit. Um, and that's something that I 
kind of got directly involved with and, and through them um, came into contact with this organization called Endeavor. Um, and Endeavor is a nonprofit organization founded out of South America, but now global uh, that helps um, entrepreneurs and, and companies scale more quickly than they might be able to and, and, and have those founders kind of go on to contribute back into the, into the organization and just keep this very virtuous cycle going. And I was at a, a meeting of, of, of Floyd's, um, both their investors and, and some of their, um, their senior staff. And I was sitting between a, a couple of women, one of, one of whom was the CMO at Shinola and another one was a, a private equity person. And they had both earlier in that day uh, being um, on a panel for Endeavor. And they were saying, well, Doug, you should, you should think about getting involved with that maybe as a mentor. And my initial reaction was, was a, a bit of an inferiority complex. It's like, what, what could I have to add to, uh, to, to founders and entrepreneurs who have the, the, the courage to go out and kind of start these new businesses and all the challenges you have as you're starting and scaling a small business, none of which I've had because I've lived in the, the corporate world for my whole life. And, and they assured me there might be a couple of things from my kind of my experience that, that has, has relevance and, and could, uh, could be interesting perspective for people. So I did that. And, and to make what is a, a much longer story short, I found that I was having way more fun working with these founders and, and kind of looking at these new business models and kind of their energy and their passion and, and, and my kind of being energized by that, uh, than I was uh, peddling furniture over at uh, Lazy Boy. So, uh, made the decision last, last June that I would leave to, uh, basically develop somewhat of a portfolio life, if you will, with, split between um, five areas, vocational, which which in my case is board stuff, both traditional and some advisory stuff, and then the early stage investing and, and advising that you mentioned, um, and then um, also focused on giving back in, 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 in some ways. Um, uh, third area of learning is continuing to kind of actively learn and continuously learn, um, and devoting more time to friends and family. Um, like yourself and your and your your family, uh, and uh, in recreation, so travel and not as much right now, but uh, food and travel and and reading and and running and different things. And uh, so far, other than a, a pandemic uh, kind of coming coming in the, in the way, it's it's gone reasonably well. That's uh, that's great. So let's let's talk a little bit about that, like one of those areas where you're talking about. Um, Helping these startups and you know um, you know advising them. Obviously, like last June, your advice was going to be much different if they're trying to get to scale um, than it maybe has been the last few months. What? How are? How have some of those conversations gone with some of these businesses that you've been uh, involved with? Well, it's it's so dependent on situation. Um, I, I put. All the companies I'm involved with, again, whether companies I'm on the board of, which some are, are kind of more traditional, kind of larger businesses, and then, then others are, are kind of early stage or, or mid stage. And then there's the, the angel investing side of things. And across that spectrum, you've got a category of, of people that are um, doing okay and, and kind of business is all right or has regained some, some momentum. Um, and then on the positive side, you have some whose businesses has been very significantly positively impacted 
So if you think about companies selling home office furniture uh, or, or companies that are selling furniture direct to the, the consumer or um, kind of prepackaged shelf-stable milk or, or sesame milk, um, those companies are, are, are having to deal with more growth than they anticipated, which, which presents its own set of challenges. And then you've got the other side where, where clearly there, there are businesses that have been really negatively affected, um, one, one of which had just started kind of getting a little bit of distribution and people were very excited about it when this all hit. And um, though their product remains kind of really relevant and interesting, uh, the people they sell through are somewhat distracted, as you as you could imagine. Uh, so trying to trying to get people's attention to do something different and new than what they were doing before is a is a tough sell. So every one of those companies kind of um, has different challenges. Um, I would say the first thing I I try and do is first of all. Um, come from a perspective is they know way more about their business than I ever possibly could. They're, they're living in it kind of every day and every second. Um, so my first approach is always just to check in and, and listen and see how they're doing and, and know that, that I'm supportive of, of, of them, no matter kind of what happens and what they have to do. Um, and then the, the, the ones kind of on the positive end of the spectrum, um, my, Two main messages have one have been one kind of lean in, um, like grow even faster if you can, and, and spend more money in marketing if it's uh, marketing is much more efficient now uh, because there wasn't, or at least it was a couple months ago, uh, much more efficient than than it had been, uh, particularly in home furnishings categories uh, uh, for one. Um, and then that the point I made about innovation is is really trying to understand kind of how the world has changed and how the consumers you're selling to kind of are are needing your products in different ways or to do different things. And can you more quickly than the competitive alternatives come up with things that that solve some of those problems in in hopefully uh, hopefully interesting and, and difficult to replicate ways. So, so that's on the positive side of things. Obviously, on the negative side, um, it's again being being in here uh, for for them to to talk to and a, a shoulder sometimes to lean on, um, and and then just do everything you can to to try and help them make connections that can help um, figure out what the path forward is or or pivot that model you referenced pivoting earlier. Uh, to do to do slightly different things that that will get you through this time while you still maintain your overall vision uh, if it's still relevant, but at least gives you some some cash flow to 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 get to get uh, to past all this. So, Doug, let's talk for a second about you. You mentioned you know the you know the the marketing spend or or leaning in to um, you know being you know, trying to spend more or be more relevant at this time. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, the communication channels that these businesses have with, if it's a, whether it's a distributor or direct to the consumer. Um, I, I, you know, we found a lot of small businesses, if it was like the brick and mortar, you know, retail type businesses or restaurants or things like that, if they didn't have a way of, of directly communicating with their customer base, um, they had to change awfully quickly because like, once things were shut down. So it's, you know, if, if you could order online or you could, um, you know, do takeout or things like that, um, 
how, how important is that for the businesses that you've seen to have that great communication um, to, to keep things moving forward? God, it's, it's, it's so, so obviously critical, uh, particularly when you're in that incredibly vulnerable stage of, of just starting out or being, being a small business where there's not a lot of margin for, for error. Uh, as opposed to big companies like like Lazy Boy, obviously tremendously impacted, but you've got a lot of infrastructure and like uh, customer relationships and and, and such that uh, that you can fall back on. Um, it, it's 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 really about how do you um, yeah how do you just uh, kind of connect with those customers in different ways than you ever would have considered doing so before I'll, I'll give one example i'm not actually involved in um in this business but i'm a customer of it uh and there's a local farm here uh, called greener farm and it's in southwest michigan here and and they, they've got an organic farm they've done very well um they, they've got um, a csa program which is the uh the cooperative's Kind of service agreement. I'm not sure if that's the right, the right words for it, but it basically you you give the money at the start of the uh, the start of the year, and basically it gives you the right to get vegetables every every week. And and they they've done that for a number of years. They've also had some meals at the the farm. Well, COVID obviously has totally upended a, a lot of stuff. Their their farm is still very active and going, but they had to figure out how did they how did they reach the customer in a in, in an efficient way and how do they get them uh, their products? And so they basically, uh, whereas before you would just sign up for this CSA through an email um, and then go pick up your stuff every every week, they had to spin up an e-com business, uh, e-com capability really quickly in the start of this thing. And, and what's interesting about it is it not only has made their core kind of capability before what they would have thought is their core capability before um, better they've been able to layer on top of it a whole lot of other things like they're now selling uh, they're now selling products from other kind of local Michigan or, or local regional players like cheese makers and sausage makers and and kind of wheat and flour providers and, and they're baking bread and selling it and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing not doing more business now as a result of them having to pivot to provide their basic service to their 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 customer. That's great, and 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 it's an innovative way of you know partnering with other like you said the you know the cheese or sausage makers and close by to help move their product as well as is it, it, it's just a super innovative way to to think about you know how do we help each other. Yeah, they've created a, a great kind of mutually symbiotic ecosystem um, that that has enabled their business, but like you said, has also uh, also helped provide more out, outlets and access to customers for for a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you you've had the you know in the last year while you were kind of working on or even before that working on this plan, you kind of had the luxury to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to really like look at these businesses and dig into them and figure out like which ones. Are going to fuel my passion, and I'll you know I'll advise or I'll invest in them. Are is that you know as you go forward now, uh, are you looking further at kind of you know their viability in this market, or are you still letting kind of that your 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 passion for what you're interested in kind of dictate where you want to go? 
Yeah, I don't think it's changed kind of the the willingness to kind of in, invest where there's a great opportunity. It certainly has changed the the outlook or or what types of businesses uh, could be more appealing. One of the ways. Um, that, that I do some of this early stage investing. There, there's one part of it, which is direct with a few companies, which is, I, I think, seven companies at this point. But um, a, a lot of it is through what's called syndication, which is, uh, if, if your listeners are not familiar with uh, with something like AngelList, uh, it, it's a great platform um, to give you access to a wide portfolio of of um, businesses that you wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to invest in and at a, um, at a very relatively low price point. Um, and so there's kind of the two sides of, of, of that investing. And, and so back, back to your question, has it changed kind of my, my approach? Um, originally, I started out with this, with this goal where basically you've got, I've got three areas. I've got my passions. I've got my expert experience and expertise. I've got, uh, the trends, the broader trends in, in the world. So from an experience standpoint, obviously I've got a marketing background and, uh, and commercial background and home furnishings and consumer durables and, and retail and, and international. Uh, on the passion side, I've got, I love food. I love travel. I love consumer technology. I love reading and, and, and learning. And then the, the, the trends, and this is no means comprehensive, but, Internet of Things and, and AR and VR and, and SaaS, of course, uh, software as a service, um, e-com in general and all the implications from that, AI and machine learning, people seeking experiences more, a focus on healthy living and healthy food, the, the sharing economy. The, the goal is how do I bring those three things together? And the perfect thing is when I can find something where all three of those areas overlap, uh, which I, I haven't found exactly that one yet, uh, but I have found that uh, that uh, I've got a lot that are at least of those, and and some that are are, are two of them, um, and that hasn't changed. Though obviously things like like travel, you you just have to think differently about what is the world going to be, and it's not going to be like it is now. It, it, we are going to get past this. Uh, and, and when you're investing from an angel standpoint, um, you're, you're, you have at least a 10 to 15 year horizon. So it, it's not like um, this is going to affect the types of businesses that would be valuable from a from that time frame standpoint, though they have to get to the other side to be able to uh, to, to be able to achieve achieve their goals. So in general, again, to. To answer your question, not a lot has changed in terms of the willingness. Some has changed in terms of what what's interesting and and relevant, and I, I which I think have the most potential. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great way of looking at it. So, Doug, as as we uh, as we wrap up our conversation, I I know that you know obviously I always ask this question at the end, like how are you? How are individuals helping small businesses? I mean, our whole conversation has been about that basically. But uh, I also know that, um, you know, you're a foodie and you're in a great location there in, in Michigan. Um, so, like, what, a, what kind of businesses have you and Rhonda been kind of, you know, trying to help during all of this uh, the last uh, few months? Yeah, so we, we love our community here. We live in St. Joseph, Michigan, which for those who don't know is in the southwest corner of Michigan, basically directly across, across Lake Michigan from Chicago. Um, 
And we've got a, a few restaurants, one in particular that, that is our favorite place. And uh, we've just done everything we can to order as kind of much food by a takeout when, when that was the only way that they, they work. They're now open with an outdoor patio and, and uh, they also sold some stuff kind of direct to uh, um, direct to consumers in terms of groceries and others. So they, they pivoted a bit, but the, the restaurant industry is, as so many of your uh, customers kind of know, it just, it's so hard and it's, it's such a brutal time uh, that they're going to be going through. And I was talking to the, the, the chef owner of this place and, and chatting about kind of how their business has gone and how these new things have, have worked out. Um, basically it's only been about 20% of their revenue that they've been even, and we, even with a lot of pivoting and, and kind of doing interesting things now that they're open up, it's, it's better, but it's still not, not back to, to what it was. It's just such an incredibly difficult challenge. So we just, Rhonda and I, uh, whenever we could would, would, would order or, um, um, kind of do, do anything we can. Same thing with the greener farm, just, just, continue to spend our money with these local uh, these local small business people particularly in the in the food and restaurant space because there's no doubt uh, that the biggest um, the biggest casualty from a business sector standpoint of this uh, is 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 restaurants and of course travel but but small restaurants and small businesses um, that are focused on the food business are are, are going to continue to have a super tough time. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, as um, as as two uh, Canadians, it's good to have uh, the NHL back uh, <laughs> and watching that. But um, for for your uh, local passion there, you think we're going to have Notre Dame football uh, in, a, in a few <laughs> weeks? Or is that going to be in the spring? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I. I'd, I'd like to be optimistic. I'm generally an optimistic person. That's not an area I'm particularly optimistic about right now. It just it's a little it's a little bit like like baseball that the number of people involved, kind of going to different stadiums. You can't you can't create a bubble like the NHL. I think very smartly did uh, between Edmonton and Toronto, and that program seems to be going really well. The last number I heard is they had done four thousand tests and had not one positive uh, yet. Um, within those bubbles well you, you just can't have that control and you've got kind of 85 or so kind of young 18 to 22 year old uh, guys um, it, it just it's hard to understand with all the all the um, kind of geographies that are involved and, and the different kind of rates of, of, of disease around the country how, how that is going to work yeah I agree I am I'm, I'm, I'm I've been hoping that we would get uh, college football, but I also know I, I think the numbers are just against it at this point. So, um, but at least we've got hockey, and um, you know I'll, I'll watch some basketball, but uh, hockey is most most important right now. <laughs> yes, and very importantly, uh, our Winnipeg Jets did win last night. So exactly that that is important. So. Well, Doug, thanks for uh, being on uh, the podcast. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know it's always uh, good to talk to you. But I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh, it's my pleasure. So this has been another one of our Solutions Exchange podcasts. You can find us on um, iHeartRadio, on Apple uh, iTunes, and uh, on Spotify. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll have another uh, episode coming in a few days.